Well, it is the top of the hour, and I want to welcome everybody to Pit Stop, which is your fortnightly midweek rest area to refuel your drive. I'm Karen Cummins. I'm an audiobook narrator, and I'm the chief cartographer for narratorsroadmap.com, and I'm your host for Pit Stop. With me in the co-pilot seat is my lovely friend and award-winning audiobook narrator, Anne Flosnick, who hosts the Narrator Uplift show here on Clubhouse. How are you this afternoon, Anne? Very happy to be here. Thank you. Well, I'm glad you're here, too. (laughs) Every other Wednesday, audiobook narrators who do more than narrate pull into the pit stop. They're sure to inspire you to follow your interests and use all of your talents and gifts. I want to let you all know the conversation's being recorded so you'll be able to re-listen or catch parts you missed. Feel free to comment in the chat and raise your hand in the app if you want to be part of the conversation because we'd love to hear from you. Thanks so much for joining us. Today, I am super thrilled to welcome Tanya Eby to Pit Stop. Tanya Eby is an award-winning narrator of over a thousand audiobooks. She's a USA... I'm sorry, what? I'm just laughing. Oh, (laughs) well, that's, I mean, that's such a huge, huge, huge milestone. She's also a USA Today bestselling writer, and now she's a casting director and producer for Dion Audio. Tanya ran Blunder Woman Productions, where she brought new work to audio. And for fun, she likes to forage and mushroom hunt, and she spends a lot of time cooking. She says she's successful at it 87% of the time. And of course, we want to know how that statistic was derived. But thank you, Tanya, for joining us. I'm so glad you're here. Thanks for having me. I'm excited. (laughs) Well, I'm excited, too. And, you know, I have known you a long time, but there's a lot about you I don't know. I mean, I saw you, you have a, you had a double major in college of English and theater. And Mm -hmm. what were, what was your original career aspiration? Um, Originally, I wanted to be a professor and I did do that for 10 years. So I was a, I was a professor of writing at uh, Kendall College of Art and Design. Yeah, I saw you taught a variety of classes. You had comic book writing, creative writing, gender and leadership, writing about art, written rhetoric, speech, and women and madness in literature. That sounds like a fun class. That was my favorite class that I came up with on my own. So that was really exciting. Yeah. I mean, I'd like to take that class now. (laughs) I should look up the reading list because it was really, really fun. I can't remember it right now, but if I if I uh, find it, I'll send it to you. So how did you move from that to narrating audiobooks, or is this something you did concurrently? Yeah, it was kind of um, organic. Um, I'm in located in Grand Rapids, Michigan, and I was doing some radio and stuff when I was in college, some little commercials. And then I heard that there was an audiobook company and I would listen to audiobooks. I would pick them up from the library and listen to like good murder stories while I was cooking or whatever. And uh, and that happened to be Brilliance Audio. And I sent them a demo, uh, recorded one when I was recording a commercial, and they never responded. So I called them, which you're not supposed to do. And I um, <laughs> asked if they would hire me. And it was actually... Like, don't do this. You can't do this now. But this was 20 or something years ago. Uh, it was actually that phone message that got me my first gig. Wow. They liked, they liked how my voice sounded. And they were casting a book that needed someone that had those qualities. Hmm. Yeah. And so then I taught for a long time and I narrated in the morning um, and in between teaching classes. And I did that for a really long time. Well, I saw that on your LinkedIn profile, you were also assistant to the director of development for Carnegie Hall, and you were doing grant writing and planning research. So I guess you were actually living in New York at that point? Yep. So I was in uh, Grand Rapids, Michigan. I lived in Detroit for a while. I lived in Florida. Then I did that whole picked up move to New York with $60 in my pocket. Um, and I had grant writing experience and I had worked at a music society and I went to a temp agency and they said basically that no one would hire me, uh, cause I didn't have any skills. 
Uh, and as I was leaving, they chased after me and they said, you'll never believe this. Carnegie no. Hall just said that they need someone to fill a temporary position and they need someone who has grant writing skills and hopefully has worked in a music society. So wow. it was a crazy thing that happened. And I was there for a year, um, but I happened to be there for uh, September 11th. And I just, uh, I didn't have, I didn't have any friends. I didn't have a network. I had no money. And just going at that time uh, was too difficult for me. So I ended up coming back home, becoming a professor, and then returning to audiobooks. Yeah, so I've done a lot. Wow. <laughs> you have, and, and just these magical connections. I mean, the phone call and then the temp agency that just happens to get the lead of the things that you just happen to know how to do. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. I don't understand it either, but, um, I, I kind of have this philosophy that, uh, you have to be prepared for luck. Mm. And I think that's happened over and over in my career where I have followed things that I wanted to do and got education experience. And so when something lucky happened, I was ready for it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What's the, the quote is luck is when chance meets preparation. Yeah, yeah exactly. Mm -hmm. And that certainly sounds like what's happened with you. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, you know, so then you, you, you're back in Michigan in the early two thousands mm -hmm. and you're narrating and, mm -hmm. but you didn't just keep narrating. I mean, you started doing other things and continued to narrate, which is what yeah. I always find so interesting is, you know, how people find time to fit all these things in their life. And um, you, you know, I saw you had an audio file profile in 2018 and you said something, I just love this because this, this to me is the whole reason that I wanted to do pit stop because you said, it's funny, people perceive that I have a multifaceted life, that I'm doing all these different projects. But for me, it's one life, one project, narrating, mm -hmm. writing, producing, blogging, all the things I do are actually one thing and that's telling stories. Mm -hmm. But in that profile, you said your story began with a lifelong love of writing and that you talked about your writing. And so at what point did you start or, or really push writing further? I mean, I know you were teaching it, but as far as becoming the writer that you are. Yeah. I mean, writing always came, came first for me. Um, it's something I've done since even before I could spell, like people would draw pictures and I would draw books. I would draw words, even though I couldn't spell them. Um, so that has been the driving force. And I think it's something that really saved my life and shaped my life. Um, and so it's something I've always pursued. I have not been, um, until recently, I, it's taken me a long time to find success doing it. Um, and I think now I'm really settling in. I'm not trying to be anybody else. I'm just telling the stories that I want to tell, um, how I want to tell them. And it, it, especially over the last two years, something has shifted in my, my writing that's been uh, very fulfilling. Yeah, Does that answer the question? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yes. I thought Anne was ask, asking a question. No, but if I did, I would say, what was the, the something that shifted? So something that shifted is in my, my blogging. Um, I, I write about things that I'm, I'm struggling with or thinking about or feeling. And mm -hmm. I made a conscious choice that I was going to be as honest as I possibly could. Mm -hmm. And uh, that one rule for me changed everything. Oh. Uh, and I think, too, I could even apply that. I've had some breakthroughs in my narration performance. And I think it can also be applied to that. Be as, mm -hmm. be as truthful and as real as I can be in every moment. 
Uh, but it is an exercise and it does, I'm not always successful at it. Uh, but in terms of my writing, I think, uh, whether or not it's, it's financially successful, it's very satisfying creatively and emotionally. Yes. Must be cathartic. Yeah. It's pretty awesome. Mm -hmm. <laughs> well, and I, I mean, I've noticed that about the pieces you're writing They're they're longer and they're a more in-depth look and they seem like they just kind of flow out of you easily and effortlessly effortlessly and you know i know when i write something it it might take me hours and hours and it doesn't seem like it's that way for you it seems like it's just here it is and and i and i just naturally think in this very lyrical in-depth manner <laughs> and i i just envy <laughs> what you write it's the so mm. beautiful and a lot of it is so profound and you seem to write about a lot of universal truths that we all can relate to. Thank you. Yeah. I think um, what, I've, what I've discovered is um, I'm learning more about how my own brain works. And I will have an idea of something that I want to write. And I kind of think about it here and there. I don't spend too much time. Um, and I just let my brain work it out while I'm busy doing other things. And so then when I sit down to write, it's usually pretty ready to go. Hmm. So I know that sounds a little weird, but that's just my, my process uh, of, of how I figured out how to do it. No, it doesn't sound weird. It's something that I wish I could replicate. <laughs> <laughs> well, how did, how did the Manhand series with Serena Bowen, how did that come about? Because you... See, this is the thing. You're busy narrating this whole time. And and with a thousand books, I mean, you're constantly doing the, the next book. So how did that come about to work with her? And what did you learn from that? Or how do you how do you integrate oh, yeah. these two things? So um, after you after you recorded quite a quite a bit, um, it's not that things get easy. Well, they do get easier, um, but I also felt like I wasn't being challenged in, and I couldn't get casting directors to look at me in a different way. Um, I couldn't get uh, books that challenged me um, or stretched me. They're great books, um, but they weren't, because I kind of mastered the technical process of narrating, I didn't feel as creatively challenged anymore. And so when that happened, um, that's when I started uh, branching out and I had my production company. And for fun, on a, a break, I was I write things and I wanted to write some comedic stuff. So um, I started working on Man Hands and that ju it just made me laugh. The title made me laugh. <laughs> uh, and I wrote about 100 pages and then I got really stuck. So I decided, uh, screw it. I'm going to ask Serena Bowen, who I had recorded a book for and who happened to know my husband from high school, uh, if she would jump in on this book and write it with me. And so uh, it's kind of an audacious thing to ask someone, but I just, mm -hmm. I knew she could say no. She didn't have to say yes. Mm -hmm. um, so she read it and she loved it. And again, timing was right. She happened to be looking for projects that she could co um, coordinate with someone, have someone be a partner. And one of the things that she wanted to work on was her, her comedy. So mm -hmm. I brought the comedy, she brought the structure and it worked really well for four books. And that was how that happened. Yeah, and the other titles are equally funny. Boy Toy, Man Card, and Man Cuffed. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, just the titles make you make you smile. They do. Mm -hmm. Well, I love you say it was audacious, but, I mean, that's how things happen. If you don't speak up for yourself or make your needs known, it, it's not going to happen. Right, and that's what I realized a lot of this, whether it's writing or narration, anything creative, is that we kind of think people should uh, just know that we can mm -hmm. do certain things, mm -hmm. uh, and they don't know it unless you show it to them. So mm -hmm. in a lot of things, I think uh, I wasn't being challenged because they didn't know that I could do challenging work. 
So then I had to do the challenging work to show them. Uh-huh. And I've done that uh, all across my creative career. But how did you show them? I mean, because I think that's a question that I know I have and other people may have is, I think I've been telling people what I can do and I've been showing people what I can do, or I think I am, but you know, it somehow doesn't stick. And I know it does take multiple touches for people to even realize that you're alive because everybody's busy and got so many things going on. But yeah, you have a a secret sauce for that. I, well, I don't feel that I do. I feel like it's um, some of it's a numbers game. Mm -hmm. The more you try, the more people, um, even if you get just a small percentage to, to listen to you or notice you, um, it builds over time. And still, to this day, there are a lot of companies that don't hire me, like major publishers that I've never mm-hmm. been been hired by, who won't respond to emails. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm I'm constantly trying. So it doesn't always work. Um, I do think if you are in a place where you can create content or you can work with someone who creates content, um, that you have a better chance of of showing some things that you can do. Right. Well, and just the creative process makes your everyday more fulfilling. And it may be something that is financially beneficial to you, this creative, whatever thing you've done. So it kind of takes the reliance off having somebody else hire you to do something because you can just, you don't need anybody's permission to do things and you can just do it yourself. Right. But it is all, it's very time consuming. Um, and then eventually you have to be realistic and like, look at what, where am I making an income and where, you know, you have a finite amount of energy. So you have to figure out where to put it. Um, but yeah, it's all trial and trial and error. And I'm, uh, I'm still trying to figure it out. Um, but it is engaging. So that's really fun. Well, and it's so honest, and you can publicly show the highs and the lows of your journey, don't you, Tanya? Yeah, so that was something, I think that in narration there, uh, or in writing, there's a lot of shame um, Mm. uh, of being uh, a failure or not being enough. Um, And so what I wanted to show through my writing and my process that it is just part of the process. And it's a reminder to myself too, because I'm a very sensitive person. So every no that I get hurts. Uh-huh. <laughs> it doesn't uh-huh. feel good, you know? Yeah, we're um, human. <laughs> yeah. And I and I found that the more that I talked about it, the more other people would write to me and say, I have the same, I'm having the same experience. Yes. And just normalizing that made mm-hmm. me feel like less of a failure and that I was at least in it even if I wasn't accomplishing everything that I wanted to, I was at least in the game. Always, yes. And I think for us in audiobooks, you know, I see comments all the time of people who are in other acting fields. You know, they may do stage or they may do theater, you know, commercials or whatever. And the comment that I keep seeing is audio, the audiobook community is so warm and giving and generous. And, and in my experience, that's very true. But I think that because it's a warm, generous, caring community, we kind of lose sight of the fact sometimes, well, it's still in the performing arts and it's still highly competitive. And there are still thousands of other people out there who, well, maybe not thousands, but you know, there are hundreds of other people who are all capable narrators and you know, there's still a finite number of books being published, even though that number keeps increasing dramatically every year. So yes, and I would, you know, we, I we would forget concur. that. Yeah, and I would say that if you've been in the industry for more than five years, um, already in the last five years, the industry has shifted and changed enormously. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, I have some thoughts on that, <laughs> but uh, it is, there are now thousands and thousands of narrators where even five years ago, it, 
it might have been hundreds. Mm-hmm. So that's a huge shift. And I think it is shifting the intimacy of our industry um, into more, it requires more hustle, um, thicker skin um, than, than we've had in the past. And for those of us that have been in it for a long time, that can feel very personal, even mm-hmm. though I think the business is becoming more of just an actor business. Well, I mean, I want you to continue on that thought. When you say more of an, just an actor business, what do you mean? Oh, well, I mean, um, competition is really, really fierce. There's oh, okay. a lot of people. Yeah. yeah. And so before, and, and also like everyone has gotten educated now about audiobooks. So now authors want to be involved in the process. Um, they want to have say over their narrators there's more auditions that are happening. Whereas before we would just be given a book Mm -hmm. Um, at Dion. I don't have any power to cast uh, my own people. My power comes in. Who do I put forth to audition? Mm -hmm. And then that's taken over by uh, whoever our client is or um, uh, authors, but everyone's gotten more savvy. So there's more competition from actors who have gotten savvy about knowing about audiobooks, um, from publishing, like from all aspects. So it's just more competitive and it is a business. And it does take, as you said, more hustle and more, I don't know, the thicker skin. I, I keep thinking about that too, because when you said you're a sensitive person, I thought, so am I. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think a lot of us are, you know, and, <laughs> yep. and then to, to like feel like you keep just talking into the void and not getting any sort of response or not getting the traction that you think you should. It's, it's sometimes it's just really hard to keep putting that foot forward and keep going in the same, you know, in the direction forward because you're not sure that your message is even being received. Right. So that's why I think having other things in your life that isn't just narration um, can be soul soothing. Um, And that has been important to me. And that helps me um, keep things in perspective. Um, And I'm also realizing now that I had my production company, I learned a lot from that. But now Mm -hmm. being part of Dion, just seeing the amount of emails and correspondence and like everyday tasks that casting um, has to deal with makes me understand that uh, brevity and emails or not responding to some things isn't because they don't like me. It really is because of time, time constraints. So it's kind of like when you get, you know, like you have a a book that has 150 chapters. Um, And if you had to set each chapter up manually, right? And each chapter took you a minute, that's 150 minutes Mm -hmm. of time Mm -hmm. just setting up. So you can think of it that way. If there are a thousand emails, um, you can't respond to every email or Mm -hmm. you can, but you have to be really short. And it doesn't have anything to do with the person on the other side. But as sensitive artists, we want that connection and things are just changing because of the sheer volume of what's happening. And, and it's funny you mentioned that because I don't answer every email I get. And I, I had, uh, you know, I did a biography of Margaret Mitchell who wrote Gone with the Wind and uh-huh. she made a business. Now this was, you know, 1936 when that book was published, things were different, but people, she got a huge volume of letters and this became her business was answering all these letters Nobody's got time for that anymore. And so, I mean, even where I sit, people ask me a lot of questions. And if it's something I can answer in a few minutes, I will usually. Mm -hmm. But Mm -hmm. usually I can just point somebody to a link. Here's what you need. But more than that, I I don't have time for it. And so even though I could answer it or I, I just can't, because if I answer everybody else's question, I don't have time to pursue my own agenda. And so- You know, I, I see it from my side, but then, you know, I still want all of mine answered. <laughs> of course. And I do too, right? And I, I want 
everybody to like me and not everybody likes me. Not everybody wants to work with me. Um, and that's why having lots of clients and lots of possibilities uh, helps with some of that. And what are other things that we can do that help, Tanya? What should we be saying and how should we, you know, you know the whole thing. What do we do? Um, well, what's working with me now as a casting director is I do like to know every once in a while, not every week, but maybe every <laughs> month or so, mm -hmm. who who's available, who wants work and who needs it. Uh, because mm -hmm. I'm getting, uh, when I get a batch of, stuff to cast um what's interesting is it's like you you read as much of the book as you can and you look at all the characters and then people pop up in your mind um mm -hmm. and if you need more then i scroll through previous emails or i use keywords to search in emails if it needs someone specific so just knowing that you're available because i also waste a lot of time reaching out to people who are some people are really busy or they're on vacation and booked Mm -hmm. um, and that takes extra time. So just knowing that you're available is helpful. Mm -hmm. um, other things to do, um, recognize that when you reach out to um, casting how many emails they're reading and mm -hmm. try not to require more work from them. Mm -hmm. So try to keep your emails informative but not something that requires um, responses. Mm -hmm. um, and then don't things, be hurt when you don't get the response. <laughs> yeah, I mean, some of it is, um, I'm not gonna say don't be hurt because we will, you know, we will be, um, but, but keep at it. Again, like all I can emphasize is how I've had a career uh, is having lots of clients, keep trying. Um, mm -hmm living the life that I want to live, having fun, posting about things that I like to do so people know me as more than just a voice. They mm -hmm. know I have some quirks or some expertise like in foraging and mushroom hunting. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm waiting for those books to come out that are about <laughs> mushroom hunting. So um, they're coming. <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, yeah, keep at it. But I also think the what we missed during COVID, and I really felt this in my career, was the opportunity to go to conferences, um, mm. to go to mixers. Getting to know people in person is such a huge mm. benefit. And it was something that many of us, especially those of us who don't live in LA or New York, uh, really felt the absence of that during COVID. So mm -hmm. um, if you're like me, I'm an introvert and, and, and social networking is very, can be me. Um, Mm -hmm. But I think it's really important. So if yes. you have an opportunity to meet some people at a conference, network, social event, something, you should really find a way to navigate that. Mm -hmm. That's good advice. Renee Chambliss had a comment in the chat, a question in the chat of how far ahead of time do you want to know our availability? Um, I mean, it's nice to know if you have a val availability for books within the next three months. So, because um, most of the things that I'm casting, at least, they'd like them done within the next, yeah, three months. So if you're not available until January, that doesn't really help me with things that I'm casting right now. But if you are available in August or September, that's awesome. Hmm. Are you doing more simultaneous releases or are you doing backlist or is it even mix? Um, the stuff I'm doing, I'm primarily working for casting for one client. I don't want to share that publicly. No, that's um, fine. Yeah. And it, most of the stuff I'm working on is backlist mm. titles or, um, but at Dion, there's lots of things that are uh, for, they have many clients, which is awesome, with some really great books and um, some that are new, uh, many of them are new releases um, and all of that. So both. I, I would I think Backlist would have a little more flexibility on. Yeah, if it's a back, yep, if back, if it's a Backlist title, there tends to be more flexibility. 
And Marcus Zarco put in the chat that he hopes to run into you this Sunday in Chicago at the APA Social. Oh, good. So here's the thing. I volunteered <laughs> to take uh, selfies and pictures at the, oh. because I like to have a task. So if you're there and you see me, come up and you can remind me and that at least gives us a way to talk for a second and we can take a really awkward and probably horrible picture. <laughs> so um, I, I apologize in advance, but if you're up for that, uh, let me know. And I like your comment about having a task because I know I went to an APA mixer in New York and I was giving out people's name tags. So, uh -huh. you know, you had to come to me, well, and a couple other people to even get your name tag for the event. So it was a great way to be able to say at least hi to people. And uh, it, I'm, I'm a total introvert with you. I'm, I'm like, yes, give me a task that I can focus on that. And then that'll take care of everything. Yeah. Or then, or like um, tasks really help me, but also if you can find a friend who is an extrovert. <laughs> um, so my friend, Amy McFadden, she's a total extrovert. Like she is charged by people. So we go to an event and we kind of go together as a buddy system, or we have a couple more friends and then we can introduce each other to people that we've worked with. And it just takes a little pressure off. Uh -huh. So that's another, uh, uh, tool that you can use um, going to these events as a team. Yeah. I, I should find the link of uh, the little video you and Amy did where she was wanting you to cast her for a book without giving away what you <laughs> actually did. That was so funny. I'm going to find that and put it in the chat while other people talk. But I want to ask you about, you were... You were on the Netflix Nailed It Holiday. What? Yeah. And I know you love to cook, and I've seen many of your cooking videos. What? Mm -hmm. How was the audition process for that? How did you even get on that show? And I mean, speaking of funny, that was pretty funny. It was. It was one of the best things I've ever done. Uh, so I watch all the cooking shows, like literally all of them. Um, Iron Chef, Master Chef, like all the cooking, like everything. And my kids, we were watching Nailed It, and they said that I should go on that show because it's for terrible bakers, because I could never be on any other cooking show. And we all laughed, ha, 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 ha. And so I went to my computer and I did a search, and they just happened to be casting. And I said, oh. uh, so I found the casting link, and they had a really lengthy application. Um, but I was able to use my writing skills to be funny, I think. Mm. Um, and and they, uh, they responded right away and cast me. They cast me, actually, I was at the Audis, I think, with Nevertheless We Persisted People. Oh. Um, and they, I was in the final bit of casting and they decided to have me on the show and we finished with the Audis. I went home for a day and then I flew out and did the show. So, wow. yeah, that was just another thing. Like I, I do this a lot where it's like, if I want to do something, then I research it and then I just try. Mm -hmm. And yeah. I have applied to uh, the Great American Bake Off and other things that hasn't worked out. Um, and you just don't hear about, you only hear about the one that did. But um, it's a big yeah. one though. It's a big yeah, one. Yeah, it was a big one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I just try. Yeah. And and you, you really succeed. Now, what about, is, is Blunder Woman kind of on the back burners for now? It It is. Um, mm -hmm. When I decided to open it back up, I, so I've noticed a big drop in my narration work, especially over the last year. Um, mm. And I also, after a thousand books and 20 years, I'm also fatigued. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. and so, and the hustle is, is, is hurting me more than it used to. Um, so I opened Blunder Woman Productions back up, but, um, and I had some clients that we were working on getting things going, um, but it wasn't happening fast enough. So, mm -hmm. um, the Dion opportunity came up and I think Karen, you told me about it, which was awesome. Um, yeah, I'm so and, excited that worked out for you. 
Yeah. And it's been, it's a perfect fit. So it takes some of the pressure off and now I can do, I don't have to do as many narration titles and I can kind of give them more focus and energy. And then I have, um, casting is very creatively engaging. Um, mm -hmm. I find it really fun. Um, and uh, the Dion people, they're so, uh, they're really easy to work with and fun. And um, I'm excited. It feels like the right, the right turn. But uh, running Blender Woman Productions would be a conflict of interest. Yes. And so that's mm -hmm. going to take, yeah. Okay. Yeah. it'll take the back burner at least for having mm -hmm. other clients. But I'm still leaving that open to create original content like I did with the Nevertheless We Persisted. Um, oh. I still think about doing a, another book or mm -hmm. a community um, performance. Oh, good. Um, oh yeah. So that yeah. is in the yeah. back of my mind, too. Oh, that's great. And before we, you answered that perfectly. Um, but when you said about the, the hurt of the hustling, can you tell us more about that? Because not everybody has all your years of experience in the trenches. Oh, well, and I think part of it is that I've been in it so long. So, you know, the, the grumpy part of me is it, it's hard to have to hustle as much as I did when I was first starting. Mm -hmm. Um, mm. But because it is more competitive, um, I, I have to do all of the same uh, work and reach out to get those jobs. And yeah. I just felt like um, just lately, just where I'm at, that the no's were hurting me more than they used to. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, so I think I just needed a little rest maybe from mm. it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, you actually, I, you wrote about that recently on Substack, about how it just kind of felt physically hurtful to you, mm -hmm. that, that you're having to still hunt people down, so to speak, to <laughs> land work, and, you know, it's a, just a repetitive cycle of it. Yeah, yeah, I just, it's felt lately like I'm just having to convince people that I'm worthy. Um, and that just hasn't felt great. Mm -hmm. uh, so I'm trying to get in a better headspace. And now that I'm casting, I do realize just how many people are like, it, I'm shocked every time I get a batch of um, people responding, how wonderful everybody is. Mm -hmm. And it's like any of these people could perform this book. Anybody could, any of them, because everyone's so great. Mm -hmm. um, and why one is chosen over another is still a mystery to me. And the experience part of it seems to almost be less and less and less, I feel. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because, I don't know, maybe the whole trajectory of what we do is just so accelerated now because as people seem to start, they're hitting the ground running, they know how to you know, run all the machines and do all the things and who the best coaches are. I've been it so long, you know, we didn't have even have computers. So, <laughs> right. You know, but it's true, you know. So, yeah, and it's the attrition of it, uh, I feel. Anyway, for mm -hmm. all, all my years, for all the reasons that you say, and, and just that, that fact of, well, here we go again. <laughs> you know? Right. And it's, right. yeah, every day you start out as if it's your first day, but it isn't, you know, and, and, um, you just get weary, I suppose. Yeah. At point. Yeah. Yeah. But so I, I think can, that can happen with any career too. Anything. And it yes. is, and yes. it is something um, I'm very aware. Like I do lots of things, but I don't do them forever. Like I was writing mm. lots of little uh, tiny poems and that was mm. the thing I was really excited about. And then I kind of lost interest. Um, <laughs> it doesn't mean I won't go back to it. I might. Um, or my video. I love your tiny like, poems. <laughs> I love them too. I um, and I probably will go back to them. It's more like I enjoy trying and mastering new things, mm. um, and so I like to change it up every now and then. And the same has been true with my career, which so mm -hmm. when I felt like I had mastered a certain level of narration, that's when I started producing. And then that's when I started creating original content and now I'm doing yeah. casting. So yeah, um, yeah. again, it is all the same stuff, but in a, a, mm -hmm. a slightly different angle. Uh, kind of. 
yeah, angle or timbre, right? Like a different mm -hmm. sound, a different feel to it. Yes, yes. And I'm the exact opposite to you, Tanya, you know, put in the same time and mm -hmm. just the one focus, literally the one focus. But then I say to myself, well, yeah, I mean, but it wasn't just one focus because the whole thing keeps changing anyway. And if you have to learn computers and then learn how to use Pro Tools or whatever, you know, all these things. So it doesn't let you just remain. If you just wanted to do the one thing and, and master narration, which for me is quite enough. Um, right. it, the industry doesn't let you just do the one thing, but then you magnify that with really creating other things. And I, I so admire that and um, must take a leaf out of your book sometime. Hmm. Or think about awesome. it anyway. But, but even <laughs> thinking about it feels like a betrayal. I don't know. Yeah. Well, I mean, it can be anything that keeps you engaged. It could be like maybe you want to mm. start running. I don't know why someone would want to do that, but um, <laughs> may, maybe that's the challenge, right? Like, yeah. yes. or it's learning a new recipe, or it's um, yeah. uh, going on a trip somewhere uh, to yeah. a place that you've never been. Like, these are all things that can energize us besides career stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. That's that's what that's fabulous. Energize is the word. And mm -hmm. I want to remind the audience we're coming up on the end of the show. So if you've got questions or comments for Tanya, definitely raise your hand and we'll call you up to the stage. I have a question for you, Tanya. This is what I like to call the pit stop hot seat. And I would like to know what is your most trivial, useless, or flat out counterproductive superpower? Oh. <laughs> um what is what's a superpower that I, oh well that's obvious like i my twitter handle is blunderwoman uh because i'm really awkward and i make a lot of mistakes so i decided a long time ago that instead of fighting it i was going to embrace it and i was going to make it my superpower so um <laughs> i'm really good at at um tripping and making mistakes and being a little bit awkward. Well, you say that, but I, I haven't actually see you, seen you do those things. Yeah, I do it all the time. I have to eat with a bib. So, <laughs> Well, now, there's nothing wrong with that because I don't, you know, I, I do that too, although not an official bib. But, you know, I'll tuck the napkin in because I don't want that stuff on my shirt. So, right. Right. There's that to me is absolutely normal behavior. <laughs> well, I I have another one. Okay. What is your strangest possession? My strangest possession? Yeah, that that you want to talk about. You may not want to talk about it. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. I'm I'm looking around my house. I think I I have a bit of an obsession with paint by numbers. Oh. So it's not really a strange thing, but there's probably 20 paintings in my house and they're all paint by numbers. Oh. I think so, that's so cool. Yeah. I find yeah, it very I started relaxing. doing one because you inspired yeah. me, but it, it's so complicated and it gives me a headache every time I try to work on it. Oh. So I mean, it's probably been a year and I haven't gotten even half of it done. So if, if it's too complicated, I move on and like I order an, a size up so that they're not so tiny. Mm. The numbers aren't so tiny, but yeah, that's something that I have a lot of these pictures in my house. I remember that springtime in New York one that you did. That was so pretty. Thank you. <laughs> well, I see Andrea all wants to uh, ask a question or say hello so i'm sending the microphone okay. to her okay hello hi hello. hi uh, tanya i'm so thrilled to speak to you i love that you just said you're kind of a i hope you don't mind me rephrasing kind of a klutz would that yeah, be accurate totally. okay me that too <laughs> My uh, my brand is perfectly imperfect, so I, I'm yes. I'm with you. So I have a question. I I think I did write to you on LinkedIn, and I told you I got invited to be on the Dion roster, but mm -hmm. I'm I'm paralyzed w filling out the form because you get 
one sample and it says on there cannot be edited can never be no it doesn't say can never be changed never. but <laughs> I, but i mean i feel i'm i'm like oh my god how do i just send one that and and you know like you were saying you you want to know you know if i would be right for this or that and i'm like I said, I'm paralyzed. So can you help? <laughs> yeah, sure. First of all, you don't need to be paralyzed. I would just fill okay. it out to the best of your ability and let it go. Okay. Okay. Um, remember that databases or databases, uh -huh. um, for the most part, there's so many people on them. What I'm learning and I'm still learning is that they're a good tool for getting contact information or doing some basic searches. But okay. what is more useful is getting to know you as a, a person. Ah, so, okay. So uh, fill out the roster so that you're all legal and you're in the database. Okay. And then send a follow-up email and then email with availability every four to six weeks. Okay. Um, and it may be in that email you have some of your skills, maybe your, your cultural background, any languages, or anything that you just love to narrate or hate to narrate, um, and that's how you offset that. So don't be scared by, <laughs> don't be scared by the computer. It's okay. Okay, all right. Well, thanks, Andrea. Is it Andrea or Andrea? Well, I guess she doesn't hear me, but anyway, that's, that's a really good question because we don't know how to fill out forms, and then how do you pick out the one sample that best represents you? So that's some great advice. Barbara Hensley had a question in the chat. Barbara, did you uh -huh. want to come ask it personally? Because I can, I can, if I can find you here in the audience, I can. Thank oh, you guys. To speak. Thanks, Andrea. Okay, Thanks. I'm sorry, you guys. I lost sound, but I'll I'll go back and listen to the replay. Thanks. Thank you. So I sent the mic to uh, Barbara. It says she's oh, at she work. says she's she says she's at work. She wanted to know if you've ever been pranked, or have you ever pranked anybody? <laughs> no, I'm not a prank person. I don't. I don't even. I don't like. I like things that are true. So things that aren't true, I just don't, I don't understand it. Um, I don't understand April Fool's Day. Like people love that. Um, <laughs> but I'm just like, I'm leery. I'm suspect of pranks. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I'm also, you would think I, I'm like a terrible liar. Like I cannot lie. Um, I can act. And if I have a script, I can make something believable. But on my own, um, I I, I'm just awful at it. Hmm. Well, I'm wondering with all the things that you are doing, do you have an assistant or other help, whether it's a virtual or a physical assistant? <laughs> no. <laughs> Sorry, that's funny. No. Oh my gosh. What <laughs> that, I wouldn't know what to do with that. That would be amazing. Um, no, it's all me doing my own stuff. Now, tell us how your days go now, Tanya, because aren't you an advocate or a proponent or whatever the word is of getting up early in the morning? So I'm a freaky morning person, which mm -hmm. means I wake up naturally without an alarm, probably around 4.45, 5 Ooh. in the morning. Mm -hmm. And uh, I check my email. And then right now I still have a couple of books to narrate. So I narrate for a couple of hours and then I do Dion work. Mm -hmm. um, but the the problem with being a morning person is by six o'clock at night, I'm done. So, mm -hmm. um, yeah, that's kind of my daily routine. Because you, you have two kids, and uh, mm -hmm. but I guess they're teenagers they're and are now. kind of yeah. self-sufficient. Yep. Uh, yeah, but I did the whole narration thing when as they were growing up, and they've mm -hmm. learned to walk quietly, although their their idea of walking quietly is not my idea of walking <laughs> quietly. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, but yeah, it's a lot it's a lot to manage. Yeah. And I not think you're, 
I think you're going, isn't it, to the uh, American Library Association conference? Didn't I see that you and Deborah are going to that? Or did that just yeah. happen? No, no, that's that's a thing that's happening this weekend. I'm only going to be there for part of it. I'll be there Saturday or Sunday and Monday. I'll be there for the mixer. Um, oh, and okay. then up on Monday, but the Dion team will be there. Um, and uh, they are casting a lot of books. So um, meeting the team is uh, a benefit, I think. Yeah, I went to the ALA meet, uh, it was a midwinter meeting in Atlanta in 2017. And that was really a beneficial place for a narrator to be because there weren't other narrators. You know, the right. audio publishers were there to talk to the librarians and the and so I was able to actually I talked to Deborah for a good bit that day. And um Yeah. It you 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 know, when they're on break between sessions, you you might be able to schedule some time. So I would encourage anybody who can could get there to go. Mm-hmm. I see that Jenny Shineman, I hope I'm saying your name right has a question, so I am sending the mic to you. Jeannie. Jeannie. Uh-huh. You got it. Hi. Hi, everybody. <laughs> Hi. Hi, Tanya. I know I know I know Tanya in real life, but this is something I don't know about you. So I thought I'd ask. Um Okay. I, I know that you like to watch uh horror movies and I wondered mm-hmm. if you also like to listen to them in audiobooks or like to narrate them. Yes, to all of the things. Um, I don't get cast in them very often, and I think as I've listened to my voice, I think I might just sound too cheerful. <laughs> um, and I'm de- I'm delighted. I'm literally delighted by horror movies and horror stories. So I think I sound maybe too excited and happy. But um, yeah, I listen to I, all of the things. Watch them. Listen to them. Um, yeah, it's great. Is there such thing as cozy horror? Maybe that would be a good niche for you then. I know, right? Maybe <laughs> I should explore that. <laughs> All right, Tanya. Yeah. Right. Okay. Yes. Great. Well, I just thought I'd pop up and say hi, and I, I never knew that about you, so thought I'd ask. So. Well, it's a great question. Thanks for asking. <laughs> Ev- I think her name is Evelina Voce, and Forgive me if I mispronounce that, but I'm sending the mic to you for a question. Oh, it, so it says Evelyn. So it, it didn't show up for me correctly. So Evelyn, that makes much more sense. You'll have to tap your microphone in the lower right corner to unmute yourself. There you go. Got it. There I am. Um, hi, Tanya. Um, we've communicated once or twice on LinkedIn. I mm-hmm. am relatively new to the audiobook world, and um, mm-hmm. it's exploded for me. I have 11 books right now. Awesome. And I wanted your advice on how to manage multiple narration projects. Um, do you mean you're recording them at the same time or in a queue? In a queue. Um, and what do you mean by manage them? Well, I'm starting to feel a little overwhelmed by them because I didn't yep. expect to have that many books to do this summer. <laughs> uh-huh. Um, so I just want to, you know, do it in a sane and reasonable way so that I don't burn myself out. Yeah. So that is something that ha- happens to most narrators when you reach, it's like a tipping point, right? Um, yep. And so what, what is helpful is if you can figure out what can you comfortably narrate, how long can you, like what's your total runtime that you can comfortably narrate in a day without stressing out your body, your mind, your spirit. And which I think say, I know, which is good. Okay, do, do you wanna share what that is? Sure, I, I usually do it in about two hour stretches and okay. I can do up, up to four or five hours in a day. Okay, so you can, but that's not your total runtime. You can, you can record for four or five hours a day. Right, right, right. right. Yeah, so um, what's going to help you is figuring out how many minutes you can actually record during those four or five hours. If Mm -hmm. you can record a finished hour, like an hour a day, do you do two hours a day? Do you do two and a half hours? And the reason why I say that Mm -hmm. is because it's going to help you when you look at how much you have to record 
to know what your goal right. is every day. So when you have yep. a long queue, basically what I do is I hit my page goal and then I stop. And that's the hardest mm -hmm. thing because you feel like <laughs> yes. you can keep going, right? Yes, um, yes. But to stop yourself, to stay in balance, you know, hitting your goal is awesome. And that's enough. Mm. So okay. that's going to give you the ability to continue narrating, not blow out your voice, um, be grounded, be connected, and be consistent. Mm -hmm. uh, okay. And then I would also, during your breaks, get some physical movement, go outside for a couple of minutes, do something. Um, mm -hmm. And then uh, make sure that you have time with your loved ones, do some stuff that doesn't require brain work, you know, relax, recharge. Absolutely. Yeah. I just that got helps. back from a vacation. So. <laughs> oh, nice. Yeah. So I'm trying to get back in the groove. Thank you so, so much. That helps a lot. You're welcome. Congratulations. Thank yeah, you. Great question. <laughs> well, we are fast coming up on the end of our time. Tanya, do you have any advice for people who want to branch out beyond narration and you know, add more to their life, just as you've been doing. Um, yeah, I think one of the things that I realized pretty early on as a freelancer is that I didn't need to ask permission. Mm -hmm. um, so if there are things that you want to do or try, you don't have to ask anybody. You can just do it and try it. Yeah. Well, I love that. That's great advice for all of us that you don't need to ask anybody's permission or get their approval. That's right. You want to do something, then why aren't you doing it? Do it. Do it. <laughs> <laughs> and do you know, you... sometimes things work out and sometimes they don't. And there's no, mm -hmm. there's nothing to be ashamed of. You're, you're learning, you're stretching yourself. It's, it's awesome. Well, that is uh, great advice and sounds like a perfect ending note. Do you have any other final words or anything you want to plug? And how should people contact you? Um, contacting me via email is uh, the best. And that is tanya.eb, E-B-Y, at dionaudio.com. Uh, make sure you add me to your contacts because some of folders uh we we lost can, your audio there for a second you said be sure to add to the contacts and then we lost oh, because you. Some, yeah because some of my emails have been going into people's spam folders so she can't offer you a job if you your email right you so right so follow up with email you can let me know that you listen to this um and uh I have a list of people I'm trying to keep in mind for the next batch, which I hope to get any day now. Well, that sounds exciting for all of us. But we have exhausted our time with you, and I want to be respectful of that. So I'm going to conclude today's pit stop. The recording is going to be available on Clubhouse later today. And next week, sometime, I'll post it with a transcript and her links on Narrator's Roadmap. And who's coming up tomorrow on Narrator Uplift? Johnny Heller and Giovanna Perrin. Well, that should be a great conversation. Yeah, yeah. I saw them down in Fredericksburg talking about meeting people, Tanya, making the effort. Drove 90 mm -hmm. miles. Yeah, but mm -hmm. that was kind of doable. So, yes. So you did it. <laughs> yes. Awesome. Yeah, well, Good job. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I hope all of you will take another road trip with us on July 5th when we do another pit stop picnic. I want to do one of these kind of shows every quarter, and, and that seems like a good time. A lot of people have July, July 4th vacations, and but the audience can come with your topics, and we'll all have great fun discussing them. But in the meantime, I hope you find joy in every journey and live the life of your dreams. Thanks again so much, Tanya, for this fantastic conversation. And awesome. thanks. It was really fun. Thanks, everyone. <laughs> and thanks to Ann Flosnick for all your great questions and support. 
and to all of you in the audience for spending time with us today. We really appreciate it and wish you all well, and we will see you soon. Bye.